0: And I ran out of that grave
1: stand and let's sing it together I was buried beneath my shame who could
2: carry that kind of weight it was my tomb till I may I was freezing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was mine too. Till I met you. you come my...
3: Good morning. It's a joy today to begin our worship with baptism. Baptism pictures what they just sang about, that when we believe in Jesus, we're united with him in his death and united with him in his resurrection, and we raised to live a new life. And so we have three people over the course of our morning worship services to be baptized, and in this service, we are so glad to have Rebecca Tinsley coming to follow Jesus in baptism. And uh, Rebecca's parents are Jeremy and Amanda Tinsley, and uh, Rebecca accepted Jesus as her Savior at home, and then she came and talked with me about it, and uh, I'm so glad that we have families in our church that point their children to faith in Jesus and teach them about him, and Rebecca has an addition to her parents here. Uh, grandparents on both sides of her family from East Tennessee, we're so glad you could be here. Maybe other family or friends here. If you're family or friends of Rebecca's, would you stand in her honor right now, please? We're so glad that each of you can be here for this great occasion. Thank you. You may be seated. Rebecca, in front of your family, in front of your church family, will you confess Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen, will you stand let's sing, Jesus Loves Me. A little different than you may, bro, no. I was lost, I wasn't changed. The world had a hold on me My heart was a stone I was covered in shame When He came for me I couldn't run, couldn't run from His presence I couldn't run, couldn't run from His arms tell you what, why don't you have a seat? We want to teach you a new song. Amy's brought this new song to us and we're, we're falling in love with it. And at some point in the song, when I think you got the hang of it, we'll stand up and we'll sing it with her.
0: Too of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now sin has no sting, and life has no end.
2: Was the blood applied, glory to
1: His name. Oh Lord, we come before you this morning just singing glory to your name, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and thank you for the blood that He shed on the cross that we may know salvation that we may know him, that we may have fellowship with God. It's all because of you, Lord. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning in great gratitude. But we also come before you this morning, Lord, just asking you to speak to our hearts once more. Teach us and show us who you are and change us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
4: Well, there's this well known preacher story about two brothers, an older and a younger. And in their town, they, they weren't very good guys, weren't, weren't very good men. Um, and one day, the younger brother passed away. Well, the older brother was putting together all the arrangements for the funeral, and he went to go speak to the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I know my brother was not a good man, he made a lot of bad decisions. Um, he hurt some people, but at his funeral, I want you to say that he was a saint, and if you do that, there will be a sizable donation that I will make to your church. Now, the pastor knew he couldn't do what this man was asking, but he had a little bit of a creative idea, and so he said to the man, all I have to do is say he's a saint? He said, yes, sir. He said, Okay. So on the day of the funeral, the pastor got up. He said, here today is this man, and we all know he, he wasn't a very good man. He made some bad decisions. He, he hurt some people. But compared to his brother, this man is a saint. <laughs> uh, here's the thing about the human heart. We all want to appear better than we are. And we're aware of this reality that there's something broken within us. From Genesis 3 all the way to today we know there's something wrong. And the danger that we have is that we only treat the symptom without going to the source. And we're really good at managing behavior, aren't we? Behavior modification is something we learn at a really young age. And that's a good thing because some behaviors need to be modified, don't they? Um, You modify behavior every day. You modify behavior in order to get a job, right? You modify behavior to get a first date, and then a second date, maybe a third date. I modified behavior in order to get married. (laughs) And then after we got married, guess what? The real me came out and I started leaving my socks, you know, and didn't clean up. What do you do and pick up after yourself? We modify behavior at church. You rushed to get here, you were stressed, but the moment you walk through the threshold of the door, it's just so good to be here, isn't it? And we've been coached to manage the symptoms of our sin. But we don't talk a whole lot about monitoring. The health and condition of our hearts. And there's a scriptural backing to this. I want to walk you through some before we get into our text. In Proverbs 4.23 it says, Above all else, meaning most important, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from the condition of your heart. Ah, But it's so difficult to guard our hearts because, you look at Jeremiah 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all else. It's desperately sick who can understand it. Disney may tell us to follow our hearts, but truth of the matter, the Bible says don't do that. Your heart will trick you. We can't really understand it. Paul will dialogue about this in Romans 7. I want to read this to you. He says this, So I find this law at work. Though I want to do good, Evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, my heart, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I. So what we're talking about this morning and what we're going to talk about the next three weeks is how do we monitor the condition of our hearts? How do we get it clean and keep it clean, right? Because everything we do flows from the heart. We want to submit our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so this week is a setup message. We're going to kind of look at what's the condition of our hearts, what do we need to do about it. Next week, we're going to look back. We're going to look at our past and maybe some guilt that we may be carrying in our hearts that Jesus has paid for. The third and final week, we're going to look to the, the future and deal with some fear that we may have. The fear of the future that we may be carrying. You may be wondering, Jake, why are you talking about all this? Well, full disclosure, I I preached a shorter version of this series at Oakley Ministry Center a a couple weeks ago. And the last night that Dorothy was at Oakley, Dorothy Scott, uh, we finished this series, this was the last night that she was there, and the last thing that Dorothy said to me was, that was a really good series. You should do that on a Sunday morning. So as I prepared for this, That's what we're going to preach on. That's where we're going to go. So y'all just take a moment before we dive in. could, Could we pray together? Let's dive into the text after this prayer. Father, we don't want to merely modify behavior. God, we ask for you to transform our hearts. We want our hearts to look more and more like yours as you sanctify us and transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question we want to ask of the text is this, what is the condition of our hearts and what do we need to do about it? We're going to be in Matthew 15 and then Matthew 11. So starting right here in Matthew 15, 1, we're going to begin to build a foundation. So here's what happens. Some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, other translations say the scribes, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked Jesus a question. So This is going to begin to give us context and build a foundation. Um, These Pharisees and teachers of the law were told they come from Jerusalem, meaning these guys are the bigwigs of the Jewish religious system. These are the seminary presidents of of Judaism, right? And they're coming to inspect Jesus' ministry. They want to see if it's orthodox. As you look at these two groups, Pharisees, the scribes, you kind of wonder, where did these groups come from? Like, what's the origin story of these guys? Um, If you go back to the Babylonian captivity, when God's people return to Jerusalem, they, they return to their homes and the temple and the wall, and they rebuild. After they returned, there was this sense of, we can never do this again. We never want to experience captivity again, so we are going to change what we're doing. So groups began to emerge, and one of the first groups was the scribes. And what they did, they sought to take the oral tradition, the commentaries of old that interpreted the Bible or the Hebrew scriptures for them. They wanted to take that and preserve it. So they started writing down the oral tradition that they had. And we're going to see what happens to that here in just a moment. But then the Pharisees, the Pharisees were a group that emerged um, because their name means to be separate. And they said, hey, listen, we don't ever want to go back to this ...captivity, where God disciplines us. So we're going to be separate from the world. We're going to be different, which is a great thing. So they put laws on top of laws on top of laws... ...to make sure they never broke the law. And the more and more that they were separate... ...over time they became separated from the world. And they lived in their own subculture... ...to where they made sure they were not like the world... But because they weren't in the world, they had no influence there. And it was like they took their influence or their light and they put it under a bushel. And they lost their influence in their culture. And over time in that spot, they began to judge and criticize anybody who didn't look like them or live like them. And do the things that they would do. And so now you see that these two groups are coming to inspect Jesus' ministry to see what's going on and to see if it's orthodox. And to put Matthew 15 into context, we look at Matthew 14 for just a second. And in that chapter alone, Matthew 14, Jesus feeds 5,000 men, which could have been 15 to 20,000 people. He walks on water. People are healed merely by just touching the fringe of his, of his cloak. And so if, if I was going to inspect the guy who's doing those types of things, I would ask questions like, who are you? Can I follow you? Can you teach me to do the things that you are doing? You want to know what the scribes and Pharisees ask Jesus? They ask, why do your disciples not wash their hands? Now, let me just say, we're a pro-hand-washing church, right? We think washing your hands is a good thing, There was one time I walked by the kitchenette to the office and I saw Dr. Cox washing his hands. I said, man, good job. Wash those hands. You know, it was during the pandemic. And he said, I'm like a raccoon. I always wash my hands, you know. And I just, I Googled it and I realized raccoons do wash their hands a lot. All right, anyway. But Matthew 15, 2, look at the question. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now that tradition of the elders, remember I was telling you about the oral Torah or the oral tradition? That's that's what the scribes would record. You know how in your study Bible, if you have a study Bible, you have the Word of God up here, and then the commentary below it? And that order is actually important, right? Because the Word of God is over all. No commentary is greater than the Word. What the scribes had begun to do is in their love for the oral tradition... They began to move the commentary above the word. And what they were saying to Jesus is they're not following the authoritative oral tradition. Hand washing alone, there was 4,000 words that described how you should wash your hands before you eat. That would be a 16-page double-spaced essay on hand washing. Um, One rabbi said it would be better to walk four miles to find water... Than to eat without washing your hands. So they bring this question to Jesus, and I want you to see how he re- responds. Look at Matthew 3. Jesus replied, Why do you break the commands of God for the sake of your tradition? Right? And Jesus doesn't really answer their question, he answers their question with a question. I want to give you the context here, and I promise we'll get moving a little faster here in a second. But what Jesus is going to do is he's going to take their tradition of something called korban, which means to set aside for God or to reserve or give to the Lord. They had this tradition where if you had some wealth or you had savings or some assets, um, you could set that aside to go to the temple and to be used there. The problem was that sometimes as their parents got older, people's parents would get older, right? Um, God's word says to honor your father and mother. And so you would have to take care of your aging parents. Well, The Pharisees didn't really want to do that, so they've created this system of Korban. And what they could say to their father and mother is, I know you're getting older, but this money and savings that I have that could help you, well, I've, I, I've made it Korban. i have dedicated to the Lord. I, I can't use it to help you. Now, the loophole they had in their system was that they could still use their assets while they were alive. It's only after they passed that it would go to the temple. What Jesus is telling them is, listen, this system of Korban, this tradition you've created, you're using that to break actual commandments. And it's a system you created. So Jesus looks at them and he says, you you want to talk about hand washing? You are breaking actual commandments. Look what he says in verse 6. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. It's never a good day when Jesus calls you a hypocrite, right? That's that's a bad day. But he says, listen, you've broken commandments, but then you created a religious system that makes you look holy while you're doing it. So then he applies the prophecy of. These people, not my people, but these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Oh, I hope that God would never apply the prophecy of Isaiah to me, right? But in this moment, it kind of begs the question is it wrong to have traditions? the answer to that question is, no, it's not wrong at all to have traditions. Every group of people has to apply the Word of God to their particular situation. And when you do that, you're going to come up with traditions. It's what happens, right? So the question is not, do we have traditions? Of course we do. The question is, do we have good traditions? And any tradition that anchors you to the Word of God, that's a good tradition. I want to take a moment to say this, I believe we stand on the shoulders of so many great saints that have gone before us, that have created a tradition here of a healthy church that makes disciples, preaches the Bible, reaches the loss, and makes much of Jesus. I'm grateful for our, for our traditions. But as you can imagine, Jesus just called out the Pharisees and the scribes. A crowd has now gathered to hear this conversation. And Jesus is going to use this moment to teach about the human heart. Look at verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. This message he's going to preach, it might be easy to understand, but it's going to be hard to apply. It says in verse 11, what goes into the mouth... Does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles. Defile means to make unclean or to be at odds with God. And Jesus says, if you accidentally eat something and it was unclean, that doesn't defile you. What defiles you is what comes out of you. He'll say in verse 12 Then the disciples came to him and asked, Did you know? that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Let me pause there and just look at the order of that question for a minute. They just asked Jesus, who essentially knows everything, right? He knows what we're going to ask before we pray, but he still wants us to ask it because that's what you do when you're in relationship with someone. They said, Jesus, did you know the Pharisees were offended? And Jesus is thinking, yeah, I know. I know. I took their religious system and I put it on its head. Yes, I know. They may have been offended, but that's what we wanted to happen so that it would wake them up and they would see. In Matthew 15, 14, Jesus says, leave them. Not debate them or argue with them. Leave them. Run away. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus is saying some people are blind because they want to be. It's more comfortable to stay blind than to see the truth. And in verse 15, Peter said, Could you explain this parable to us? Poor Peter, like he's always the spokesperson for the group, right? And they probably asked him, hey, ask that question. We're not really sure what he's talking about. You see, the Pharisees got the message, but the disciples didn't. They're still confused. And I think part of their confusion is they've never seen anybody stand up to the Pharisees before. Jesus says, are you still so dull? It sounds harsh, but it's not. And what Jesus is going to do here in a second is he's going to show us a glimpse of what is most valuable to the Father. We read verse 16 again, going into verse 17. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Verse 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, these things defile him. Now I left out a little detail. You see that dot, dot, dot there? Let me read that verse with the one other detail in it just for emphasis here. Verse 18 again. But the things that come out of a person's mouth that comes from the heart. And these things defile them. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I say things and I don't mean to say them. Have you ever been there? You say something and I didn't mean to say that. And what's really going there is I didn't mean to say that out loud, right? You ever just blurt something and think, where did that come from? Well, according to this text, came from inside of you you see it came out of you because it was already in there And so sometimes these outward things like baptism and giving and church attendance and going on a mission trip we hold on to them to prove that these are the things that make us a christ follower but honestly unfortunately these are things that a lost person can do too What Jesus is really driving at here is this. What is the condition of our hearts? You see, behavior modification is like a four-foot fence. You can hide under it for a little while, but eventually the real you is going to come out. So here's the key text, verse 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, False testimony, slander. In Mark 7, the same story is told. Mark gives these categories. Adultery, greed, malice, conceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. What Jesus is doing here is he's giving us categories of behavior that can potentially be in our hearts. When I look at that list, I am terrified and humbled by that. That in my brokenness... There's potential for those things. So, Jesus' point is simple. We got to guard our hearts. We got to cultivate godly hearts. If our hearts, if if your heart is a sewer, it's going to leak out. And here in verse 20, these are what defiles a person. But eating with unwashed hands, that does not defile them. The question is, are, are we guarding our hearts? Because here's the truth of the matter. The people who are closest to you, they experience the overflow of your heart on a daily basis. So as we look at this, we've got to ask the question, well, how do we fix this? What do we need to do? We jump to Matthew 11 real quick. In Matthew 11, we see four quick things. Jesus says, number one, come to me. If, if you realize that your, your heart isn't how it has it, as it should be, right? Come to me. There's, there's an invitation. Anybody is offered this. Anybody can come to him. We look at the next port, part. It says, all of you who are weary. So all can come who are weary and burdened. He says, I will give you rest. So it's the invitation to come to him and, and receive rest. But before you receive that you've got to confess that you need him. You've got to confess that there's a problem, that you need Jesus to transform you. He continues in verse 29. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's a literal and figurative thing there. A literal yoke, it's a piece of wood you would put on two animals, and it, it could help them work better together and do more. It's this idea that two are better than one. Listen, when you take on the yoke of Jesus and you attach your life to his, it's not just two that are one. It's one that joins his life with all things possible. It's one plus infinity, right? Jesus says, you don't do life on your own. You do life with me, and all things become possible. It's also figurative where a yoke was a teaching. Jesus is saying, you attach your life to me, And you follow my way of living. So there's surrender. I can't do this on my own. I'm going to attach my life to you. There's discipleship. I'm going to learn your ways and do life the way you do it. And then finally, there's transformation. Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. For your souls. Jesus is giving us the greatest offer you could ever receive. I want to show you this offer, um, this invitation, this thing you're offered today. Theologians call it the great exchange. And here's what happens at the great exchange we take your heart, which is filled with the potential for murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, we take your heart. And you're offered to exchange that with the heart of Jesus that is gentle and humble. See, on the cross, what Jesus did is he said, you give me all of your sin and I'm going to pay for it. And then after the resurrection, Jesus says, and now I can give you everything that's that's mine. I can make you gentle and humble. Let me just ask you, as you look at that slide for a moment... Which heart do you want? Which heart sounds good for you? Which, which life do you want? Do you want a life that's filled with all of these murder and all this terrible stuff? Or do you want a, a life that is filled with humility, gentleness? Today we give you the invitation. Today we give you the opportunity to confession. If today you're sitting in your seat and say, you know what? I want Jesus' heart. I don't, I don't want this dead, old heart. I need a new one. I need to be transformed. If you would say that this morning, I'd invite you to pray a prayer that I'm about to pray, and if you would just repeat or say something like this to God, I believe He'll hear you. We just pray for a moment, you pray after me. Father in heaven, I am weak and weary. I need a new heart. Lord, I want to follow you and attach my life to yours. Transform me and make me new. Help me today to repent and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning or something like that, We'd invite you to make that public. You can do so here in just a moment by coming forward while um, the praise team leads us in one more song. You say, hey, I want to be transformed. I want what Jesus offers. I can get you to somebody who would love to have that conversation with you to get you on the path to walking with Jesus. We'll schedule your baptism. Today, if you'd say, hey, I I need a group of people who can help me to guard my heart you could join this church and you would have that community that can help you. You do it the same way. You walk forward. you say today, I'm not sure I can walk forward, I'll be at the Welcome Center. There's other people who will be at the Welcome Center. We can talk there. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, though, we invite you to say, Hey, God, there's an area of my heart that needs to be transformed. Would you transform my heart? This morning, would you stand and respond to the Word of God? as we sing together.
0: always by my side. The one
2: who reigns forever, he is a friend of
0: mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. always by my side. The one who reigns forever,
2: he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side.
3: Uh, We look forward to this series coming up. That's not any better. I want to invite you to stay for connection groups Uh, right now. There will be somebody at the Welcome Center. If you're new here, our disciple-making strategies together, together into groups. And we hope you'll get in a small group. There will be somebody at the Welcome Center to help you uh, do that. I find a place for you to fit as you go today. You have a chance to worship by giving. There are offering boxes on the wall as you go through the outer doors, the back doors there. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We give back to God who has given to us. He's blessed us. He's been good to us. We give back to Him. That's our act of worship to say thank you and thank you for your generous giving. A couple of things to share. We're doing a church directory. And uh, we had, uh, a week or so ago, a Saturday gets snowed out. Wasn't our choice. A photographer coming from Nashville didn't want to come. So people who had theirs for Saturday or for one hour on Friday night. So the makeup time for that is April 1st and 2nd. If you missed a time, you are scheduled for that exact same time, either that last hour Friday we missed or all day Saturday, on April the 1st or April 2nd. You'll get an email about that, and you can confirm or change if that doesn't work for you on that day. However, that does open up more slots because they're going to be here all day on that Friday. And so if you didn't get in the directory and you're out of town or you were a procrastinator or whatever, you got another shot. Uh, April Fool's Day, Friday, April the 1st. uh, That uh, day is open and you can go online and schedule. We'd love for you to be in our directory. You'll get a free directory. It'll help you get to know folks. Finally... um, we have on april the 10th a member meeting and we're going to present revisions for our bylaws and uh, so that's a discussion meeting there's more info about that in the newsletter but our bylaws require an announcement from the pulpit 14 days before that happens this is that official announcement to you uh, to plan to be here and be a part of that uh, thank you for participating in that let's pray together as we go would you join me oh god We don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want our religion to just be outer tradition. Oh God, use Jake in these next two weeks to speak to our hearts through your word about the condition of our hearts. And God, we want to begin that process as we're in worship even today. Lord, we want you to change our hearts, cleanse us from the inside out. Only you can do that. So, Lord, we pray for that transformation. Thank you for these people here. Bless them as they go, Lord, with your peace and your grace as they live for you with joy this week. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.